0: hi guys today we have a a, a guest this is someone that we actually were on her podcast i don't know how long ago like three years years. and now long time yeah a lot has changed and i wanted to get into it and let you get to know whitney first this is kara and and we have i'll let you introduce yourself
1: Okay. Hey, I'm Whitney Runyon, and I am one of the co-founders of an orphan care advocacy organization called the Archibald Project.
0: Awesome. And we were on your podcast. Some of our listeners may have listened to that. It's, it's one of my favorites. We. It's
1: followed- so good. You guys have so much wisdom.
0: <laughs> we have been following along with what you've been doing. So a lot has changed since we talked last. I thought you could tell Um, our listeners a little bit about just your story, where you came from with the podcast and then, um, or not just the podcast, but the project, and then what's happened since we last chatted.
1: Yeah, so um, let's see. I mean, the Archival project has just, I mean, it's a very bit, it's been very organic in its growth, and we're incredibly thankful for people sharing their stories on our platform. Um, And one story that we've yet to tell on the Archibald Projects platform is our own, and we, my husband and I actually adopted a sibling group of three from the Republic of Congo in 2018, and we, we worked with this organization where they're from for very specific reasons because they, um, the organization is very passionate about keeping families together and not just Letting babies come into their baby's home uh, for no reason. And so, like, when a woman will, when a vulnerable woman brings her child to Moana's gates, they will say, No, 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 like, let's support you. Let's get you involved in your community. Let's, um, you know, work, find a job for you so that you can keep your children and you don't have to place them in an orphanage. And so they have, and they have more, their record is higher for resettling children back with biological family and supporting vulnerable women to keep their children than they have internationally adopted out children. Wow. And so that was really important to us. And so we started the adoption process in 2017 and then we once we had guardianship and full like parental rights in Congo, we moved to Congo in 2018. We were there for seven months until we came home as a family of five. Wow, that's incredible. Amazing. What was that? Like? crazy. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay, if, if anybody out there is a parent, <laughs> just imagine your very first child is three children, <laughs> and they're five and two three-year-olds, two,
0: three, and oh. they have a
1: traumatized background, and you don't speak the same language, and now you're completely removed from any. Community or support and help so like we became first-time parents without a, us knowing a soul like we didn't have friends or a family to call on to help us going to the grocery store was an exhausting um, effort because you know you have to walk like 10 minutes up a hill hail a taxi and you're on the equator and they're, you know there it's like very hot and sticky which is fine it's not a big deal but when you're just like already exhausted and yes. alone just like little things add, they add up. And so it was really hard. Like but what it was a really sacrifice. challenging seven months. What's that?
0: But what a huge sacrifice and how amazing that you did that. I month.
1: wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that, um, I'm thankful we did it because I think that when our children are older, we will all hopefully look back on that seven months and be really thankful that we had it in their home country. Um, and I think that it it was a blessing because now Nick and I have a lot better of an understanding of the Congolese culture, and we can, you know, honor that and bring that into our children's childhood. Um, But yeah, it was hard. I feel bad for my kids. Looking back at those seven months, I'm like, that was hard. I was so hard on them because they had these two people that were exhausted, not sleeping, didn't speak French really. Like we were learning French. We didn't speak French. And it was just a hard seven months for everybody all around.
0: Yeah. So how has it been bringing them back home and um, all of that?
1: Yeah. um, Gosh. So we came home, we're coming up on our two-year mark of landing on American soil as a family of five. And I would say over the past two years, it has been, I've just seen so much growth in them. I'm so, so proud of them. They have overcome so much and they I'm not gonna go too much into detail on this because I think that a lot of this is their story to tell when they're older if they choose to, but one of my children in particular struggles with anger as their like first go-to response. And I do too. (laughs) Um, And so to see their healing from physically fighting, trying to physically fight us or hurt us when they went into fight or flight mode to now being a child and having just like a trusting response to a caregiver is one of the most beautiful things i've ever witnessed in life and that has come through like time and love and forgiveness and bonding and attachment and yeah it's just been it's been cool it's been hard and i'm giving you a really long answer i'm so sorry i've had like three cups of coffee this morning
2: answers <laughs> so I was just going to say that speaks to, you know, a lot of people who maybe don't get involved in something like this. Just, I, you know, they'd say, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle something like that. And I wanted to ask you what brought about that change and, and you, and you, you kind of articulated it with just patience and love. And it's as simple as that.
1: Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And I don't, I don't want to be naive and thinking that like love can heal everything. And, and my husband and I are Christians. And so we do believe that love can heal and that God does heal us. But I also believe in therapy and all those things. Um, but in this case, yeah, it's right now. Currently we are not in therapy. I have been in therapy. And I think a lot of healing from our ch- in our children's lives came through me as mom, primary caregiver, going to therapy. So I would say that too, to a lot of people out there who are walking in, caring for vulnerable children is like, maybe the caregiver should be in therapy because it's very helpful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's huge. You can't give what you don't have. And if you're so depleted, um, a lot of people, I think, just think like, I can just power through, I can just power through, I can just power through. And then, um, they're not able to give what, you know, what they need to be giving.
1: It's so true.
0: It's really-
1: and I never believed in that. I was like, oh, that's just a, like a, I don't know. I just, I was like, that's silly. That's something, yeah, I was just like, whatever. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I understand so much why it's important to just pour into your own soul so that you can pour out for others.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so how has it been, um, so it's kind of an interesting, I, I, our, our last guest had the same thing where we went from being parents to being parents of, you know, more children, to mm-hmm. go from being parent not a parent at all, to having three children, <laughs> and you have really nothing to compare it to.
1: <laughs> no, you have nothing to compare it to, but I mean, I do think we were... We were, I feel like our, some of our last, the last people in our friend groups to have children. And so we got to witness a lot of other people parenting and they always say that the best parents are the people with no children, (laughs) because I would say Nick and I had some pretty preconceived, pretty strong preconceived ideas of how we are going to parent. (laughs) And then we just, yeah, it was a super humbling experience. (laughs) to go from zero to three.
0: I can imagine. I have a friend and she had a really easy first and then her second was really hard. And she was like, I always thought it was me that I just made this <laughs> so easy. And then I realized it wasn't me at all. <laughs>
1: what I'm doing? Yeah. That's so, so funny.
0: Are really um, nailing it. Probably. Mm, we're we're
1: right. just trying, you know? <laughs>
0: so, um, mm. So do you, so do your kids speak English? Do you speak French? How does that work?
1: Yeah. So Nick and I started doing French classes online before we went over there. And Nick kept it up while we were over there. And so he was pretty, like, he could get around and talk to people and make, like, have conversations with people. Um, And then our kids, like, very quickly, I think, Picked up English. And then while we were there, our oldest, Nicholas, he actually translated for us, which was really cool. He was always talking to the cab drivers and different friends we would make or people at restaurants. And then um, sadly, they have lost most of their French over the past two years. But Nick has started or has kept up with his little courses online. And so he talks to them, he tries to talk to them as much as he can in French. And then hopefully one day when our children have the opportunity to have two languages at school, we will, we'll do French.
0: Great. I'll probably pick up on that really fast.
1: I hope so. I hope so. Because it's so, I mean, French is such a beautiful language, but hearing them, I watch videos on my phone sometimes, and like their little voices and their little accents with their French was just, so cute.
0: So since you've been home, have you had, um, or back in the States, have you had a lot of support from your family and friends and all of that? How's that been?
1: Yeah, um, so much support. I don't, that's one of my number one things of people who walk into adoption or foster care is really encouraging them to have a support system and if they don't then to get one and then to do the adoption or foster care process because I don't think we could have made it without our friends and family and and that sounds really bad and I don't want my children to hear that when they're older but I also do want them to know that they grew up in a village rather than like a small family with just two adults pouring into their lives right. but yeah we've had friends that we can talk with and cry with and pray with and that can help us speak into our children like the same um lessons that we're trying to teach them and respite care with family taking them for a night or two <clears throat> it's been incredibly beautiful to receive so much help
0: yeah i feel
1: like in the west we don't really like need people you know we just kind of do our own thing and i feel like we've just this adoption journey has been really humbling for us to receive so much help
0: yeah I, I always think with our kids i just am so grateful that they have so many loving aunts and uncles and grandparents and isn't that so cool the coolest it really thing is. it really is
2: i mean they can survive without it and, and and be okay but they're so much better off with this village
0: yeah
1: hundred percent
0: and it's just so fun to see, you know, the little connections when one, you know, one of my kids just really attaches to one of my siblings or that sort of thing. And you can see that they have a special relationship. It's just kind of cool. And it's like you said, like, totally. two people can only offer so much. And so it gives them such a wealth of love and um, understanding.
2: So that's,
1: yeah, it's so cool.
2: So I want to hear more about the Archibald Project. I was reading online and something that, that caught my attention was um, well, you guys tell stories, which is mm-hmm. similar to what, what we're trying to do. Um, you guys are amazing storytellers and you used to tell oh, amazing stories all over the world and you're so inspiring and, and it's amazing to follow what you do. But Thank I you. read there that um, the th- kind of the, some of the things that you've done this year and a lot of it is inspire people to Become foster parents, and I and I read somewhere even that you're you'd almost uh, rather people look into fostering rather than adopting. Can you can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, um, I would. I honestly have to say I don't know where that is on our website. Oh. I don't because <laughs> I would I I would not want people to think that we're saying you should do this over that. Right. But I will say with everything we've learned over the past eight years, with ethics and corruption and uh, child trafficking, I I personally would really advocate for foster care. And I think that a lot of, I, this is gonna, I, this is a Whitney assumption, okay? Based on research, <laughs> but there, there was a movement for international adoption and there was a movement for people like looking overseas to help vulnerable children but now i think a lot of people are becoming more aware of the needs here at home and maybe kind of the romanticism or um yeah just the romanticism towards international adoption is kind of uh Ending and people are kind of seeing like how actually traumatizing international adoption can be and how much corruption can be in it. And therefore, people are like, but I still want to help. So, what do I do? And so that's when foster care comes up. But I mean, I love, love foster care. Um, Nick and I have talked about it several times for our own family. I have no idea if it will be a part of our journey, but I know right now it's something that I am very open to and excited about. But anyways, anyway, that's not what this is about. But yes, so the podcast that we've been doing, a lot of it has been focused towards foster care. And a lot of it has been, we've, we've gotten a lot of feedback from people who've said, because of your podcast, we are now becoming foster parents or I'm becoming a CASA volunteer or I am volunteering to read to kids that are in group homes at night or just like or one of my favorite one uh email response was when somebody wrote in and said i just want to let you know that i'm a college student and i changed my major so that i can become a psychotherapist to work with foster youth and i was just like oh my gosh i had no idea the Archbold project could ever inspire that that's really cool
2: I think that's a really important point where people, you know, really want to make an impact and they, they immediately think overseas adoption. Um, I think it's important for, to help people understand the need that is right here in, you know, in their yeah. own communities. And absolutely foster care can be because the need is is so real.
1: Absolutely. It's so real. And there's so many amazing parts of the foster care journey. As you guys know, you guys have, your life has been completely changed by foster care. And so, yeah, I'm really thankful for what you're doing and the voice that you're bringing to foster care awareness.
0: Thank you. So when did you first, what was your first, um, what first kind of got you into this whole world?
1: Yeah. So, um, Nick, my husband is also named Nick and he was an airline pilot. And I was a wedding photographer, and this was back in 2011. So um, I felt like I was supposed to reach out to an old acquaintance and ask if I could photograph her two-year-old daughter, and she said yes. And so I'm on the photo shoot, and I'm just like, why am I here? Like, why did I offer to do this? (laughs) And at the very end of the shoot, I asked her if she was going to have any more children. we're actually in the process of adopting and it was like clouds part I truly felt in my soul that I was supposed to go with them and document their adoption and so I looked at her and I was like I think I'm supposed to go to Bulgaria with you and photograph your adoption she was like uh okay let me talk to my husband and I was like oh yeah let me talk to my husband but because Nick was an airline pilot we could travel basically for free last minute to Bulgaria And we did. And we documented this adoption of a little seven-year-old boy with Down syndrome and put the photos on Facebook. And I wrote a little blog post about it. And when, I don't know, a few weeks later, a stranger emailed us and said, hey, I just want to let you know that because of your photos, we found our son and we are now adopting a chronically ill little boy from Ukraine. And if it hadn't been for your photos, we never would have found him. And it was just this like light bulb moment that Nick and I were like, wait, photos can help children get adopted? We had, what? (gasps) And so we were like, let's do this. Like, this is our thing now. And so we got with a lawyer and we formed a 501C3 nonprofit. (laughs) I should know that. Um, And we named it after the little Bulgarian boy. His name is Archie, Archibald Project. And that's what we started doing adoptions and just kind of in our free time international, a lot of international adoptions. And then um, we were in Uganda in 2013 and made a few contacts in that country and just kind of started learning a little bit more about truly what's going on in orphan care in different countries. And that's when we realized that this is this conversation needs to be way bigger and there needs to be so much more education in the West about what holistic and ethical orphan care looks like overseas. Mm -hmm. And so in 20, at the very end of 2014, we quit our jobs. He quit being a pilot and I quit taking weddings and we moved to Uganda and we started doing, we kind of changed our vocabulary to be more like ethical holistic orphan care advocacy because um, we really want to highlight all the ways to care for vulnerable families and children specifically. And adoption is not going to end the orphan crisis. If you really care about vulnerable children and vulnerable families, you need to look at the reasons why children are becoming abandoned and orphaned in the first place. And then how can we address those and truly ethically help them and not make the situation worse. And so that's our mission right now. I love that. thanks it's fun it's challenging it's hard it's heavy you know all the things
0: but what you said I think you're right I think that romanticism of it and people are partly I'm sure in a big part because of you and and spreading that message understanding that they have to be very thoughtful and
1: um, very thoughtful there's just so much corruption there's so much corruption and I I feel like I've kind of become the like Debbie Downer um, voice for international adoption. And I promise I'm not. It's just, you have to be very, you have to, my thing is I want people to be able to look at their children. If you choose to walk through an international adoption is I want parents to be able to look at their children when they're older and say that I know that I know that I know that I did everything possible to ensure that international adoption was the best choice for your situation. Yeah. And if you can't do that, because you don't do the research and you don't do the like third party investigations and all these other things, then that can be really hard for your child processing their own adoption story <clears throat> when they're older. That's such
2: a good point. So tell us about the advocates.
1: Yeah. Um, the show on YouTube, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Um, so when we were actually in Uganda, we came home and we were crushed at what we saw and how the West, or at least we had never known what was really going on, um, in other countries. We were hearing the Western narrative of what was going on. And I guess the Advocates kind of is a Western narrative, but I'll get there in a second. So we were like, what should we do now? Like, what should the Archibald project be? And we just got this idea of of what if we go to different countries and we interview people in those countries who are ethically and holistically caring for vulnerable children, and we get to make a travel show based at the country. And so the first season is four episodes. We went to Ethiopia, Romania. Burkina Faso in China and then in the second season we went to Sri Lanka and Thailand and there might be another episode coming out TBD um but yeah I, I, we get to like interview people locals expats children um lots of different perspectives on why there's an orphan crisis in that specific country and what's helping and what's hurting and how people in the West can truly get involved in helping. And I'm the host, which is really funny. (laughs) And Nick, my husband is the film, the guy, the voice behind the camera. So we like talk through things
2: on the camera and it's fun. It's amazing and people can find it on YouTube.
1: Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's called The Advocates Under the Archibald Projects YouTube channel. Thank you for asking about that.
2: You're welcome. And the goal is to just educate uh, those who want to look into international adoption and how they, whether they want to adopt or not, but how they can help the the international orphan crisis.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. How to not be a part of the problem. And if people want to like jump in, to the advocates, I think, is it bad to say my favorite episode? Well, I love them all. Okay, so here's the thing though, is every single organization or person that we worked with in each country, I, I, I love so much. Um, there's so much to learn from each episode, really. We loved Thailand because we worked with a local, well, he was Burmese, he's Burmese, but he's on the Thai-Burma border, or Myanmar border. And he's just this amazingly strong, compassionate man who's working to fight child trafficking in his, on his border town. And so we really enjoyed the Thailand episode, but they're all great.
0: Jump in with the Thailand episode. Jump in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing a little bit about your story. And I mean, I feel like I could talk to you all day. You have yeah. so, like so much. Let's do it. Let's make it happen.
1: Austin, <laughs> Texas, come on.
0: <laughs> come see you. Um, Please there do. Any parting words you want to leave with? Put oh the-
2: gosh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> for those looking into how they can make a difference in 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 the lives of hurting children?
1: Yeah, um, I would, I guess I would encourage them to talk to people who are currently doing whatever it is that they want to be doing. So if you want to adopt, talk to adoptive parents and talk to adult adoptees who were adopted so they can give you their perspective on how things are. and I, I mean, I have learned so much from talking to adult adoptees. I feel like my parenting style and the way that I talk with my children about their story and their adoption is heavily shaped by adult adoptees. And I'm just so thankful for their wisdom. Uh, so yeah, talk to people who've been there, who know. And of course, follow the Archibald Project, you know? Yes.
0: <laughs> Perfect all do they find you? We'll give links to everything, but the
1: Archibald Project. Okay. Yeah. So on Instagram, we're just at the Archibald Project and then everything else, we're just the Archibald Project. So YouTube, the Archibald Project, Facebook, the Archibald Project. Our website is the Archibald Project. Um, I'm Whitney Runyon. So Whit Runyon on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Yeah, that's, perfect. and our podcast, we have a podcast called Around the World with the Archibald Project, where we got to interview you guys years ago, but yeah.
0: That's
2: a great podcast.
0: Um, So be sure to follow her, follow along with their journey and what they're doing, and um, subscribe to this podcast, and give us a rating. Yeah. So much for listening, so wonderful to hear from you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm truly honored that you guys- Tell him want to well share. For us, yes, tell him hi. Yeah, absolutely. We'll
2: do. Okay. Thank
1: you. <laughs> we'll see you. All right, thanks guys. Thank you. Have a good-